Yeah, so Lord, we thank you for this day, and uh, thanks that um, we can all be together in this in this effort this morning. And so as we head towards the uh, overflow, I don't know about tents and whether people are there or whether they've been moved on, and we just ask you to guide our steps, you'd uh, prepare us for those that you want us to meet and that need a word of encouragement or just need some fellowship today. Father, help us to be keenly aware of the opportunities you're laying before us. Help us to project Jesus in our smile and in our handshake and in our conversation. And Lord, we just pray too that there'd be a good opportunity for some good footage for Kevin's podcast. You give Bill wisdom and that it would just be a, a good morning together. We thank you for the privilege to be in the kingdom and to be... Um, your ambassadors today. Thanks for Peterborough and thanks for the work you're doing underground here in people's hearts. And, uh, we just pray that the harvest would come. Yeah. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So on our trip to Peterborough, Bill Riley and myself were sitting in the back of Scott Cooper's pickup truck and uh, you heard him praying from his truck as he went out on the streets of Peterborough with his ministry of street level advocacy. I'm Kevin Rogers and uh, Bill Riley is the man behind the camera, the man behind the scenes with Sidewalk Skyline podcast and so on today's episode we're going to uh, give you some insights uh, from what we saw uh, as we followed Scott and his team around on the streets of Peterborough. Uh, I will warn you that uh, uh, as we talk with some of the people on the streets, uh, there's some colorful language. And uh, if you have uh, people that you don't want to hear colorful language, then uh, maybe uh, don't have them listen to this episode. But uh, the other thing I would say is this is a very visual episode where uh, we're seeing a lot of things on the street. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll have the link in the uh, SidewalkSkylinePodcast.com website and also if, if you download the audio uh, on any of the podcast platforms in the show notes, it'll give you the, the link to YouTube so that you can watch this episode. Uh, but if you're like me and uh, listen to most of your podcasts in, in the car or uh, on a treadmill or something like that, then um, uh, what you're hearing, I'm sure, will give you an image in your mind of what's going on. There's nothing like being there, eh, Bill? Absolutely. Yeah. It's salient. Yeah. So um, this first segment, um, we're going to uh, talk to Joe. Uh, Joe is this Aboriginal guy. Uh, in a wheelchair. Why was he in a wheelchair, Kevin? <laughs> well, Joe uh, had a snowplow accident where a snowplow ran into him. Yeah. And uh, he was uh, dragged down the street a long way. Mm. And uh, anyways, he's he's a pretty interesting character. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was he was fun to be around. He had a lot of really important things to say. And he had an audience. Yeah. So, yeah, we were his audience. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. So that was fun. Yeah, so let's let's do that right now. Let's uh, let's uh, turn the uh, camera and the mic on Joe. 
moved all over Ontario, and now I'm here in Peterborough. Yeah. So I'm doing uh, public speaking here in uh, in Peterborough mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So I try to uh, help my community that I live in. Yeah. And be a part of them and help them as much as I can, as what little ability I can have. So, Joe, when you were when you were young, um, did you live on uh, Aboriginal land? <clears throat> no, you always lived uh, yeah. lived off reserve. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was adopted out. Adopted out. I was yeah. adopted out. I was um, at an adoption home. Yeah. That was uh, very abusive. Yeah. I mean, being in a residential school was was rough, but being in an adopted home. That my my adopted father was an alcoholic and a yeah. sexual offender. Oh boy. My mother was my adopted mother was uh, an alcoholic, but she was also a bingo fanatic. So she was always gone out spending the money. Trying to and, get the money, eh? Yeah, yeah, trying to keep her drinking going. Yeah. So I ended up uh, getting involved with that and I ended up. I get molested in there and everything else and stuff like that. I believe that what kept me going was the positive that was put into me. Yeah. You know, I believed in myself. They're going to take advantage of me because I'm native yeah. and I'm challenged. Mm -hmm. So with fetal alcohol syndrome. Right. So what happened was they took advantage of that. They ended up um, doing everything they can to me and yeah. mentally, physically, emotionally. But I turned out in a positive way because I said, I'm not going to, I'm going to break the cycle. Yeah. You broke it. And I broke it. And now here I am. I'm, I'm a motivational speaker. Yeah. I'm traveling all over Ontario. Yeah. And on, in Canada. Yeah. I've done public speaking in conferences in jails, I've been to the Kingston Pen twice, mm -hmm. doing public speaking there. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been to Winnipeg uh, about three times there, doing big conferences. You're like Johnny Cash and everywhere, man. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, I'm everywhere. Yeah. I mean, and now I'm going to start doing it here and try to help my community here and show yeah. them that there's a positive way of doing things. If you do not let the negative control you, you got to control the negative. Right. And that's where a lot of people have a hard time dealing with. Is dealing with the negative because they let the negative control them instead of them controlling the negative. Yeah. You told me, uh, just when we met a couple minutes ago, you told me about uh, the accident. Yeah. You know, and... and Tell, tell me, tell me again what happened. That well, put you in the chair. Okay, what put me in the chair was I ended up uh, walking. I was on my way to church. Mm -hmm. I was going to do a testimony at the church. Yeah. But that day, it was on a sunny on a Sunday morning. Morning, I started to go to church. I went across the street, and the snowplow came around the corner, not knowing that I was right there. Oh, man. And he ended up, he had the green light, too. It was like yeah. a green light for the motorbike, but 
He should have known. Pedestrians, yield for pedestrians. You yeah, right. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't even know that yeah. I was there because he had the big blade up in the air. And yeah. So he, when he came around the corner, he couldn't see where I was. And he hit you. And he hit me and he died. I grabbed onto the blade and I got swung underneath the truck and dried down the street two meters, 200 meters. 200 meters. 200 meters down the street. Oh, Lord. But, but luckily there was a cop at the light yeah. that saw what happened. Yeah. And he cut in front of the truck and told them that there was a body in front of him. Yeah. And he didn't even know that he hit me. Wow. So you just had uh, neck surgery, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. I just had neck surgery done uh, June the 27th. I stayed in there until uh, the whole month, for one whole month in the hospital. I just yeah. got out in August, yeah. out of the hospital in August, yeah. on August the 10th that I left. Now I got to go back in January, yeah. in the new year, and start on my lower back. Yeah, more surgery. More yeah. surgery. So I got one more surgery to go, and I don't want to go for it. This is the fourth surgery I've already had. Wow. I've already had four surgeries. So, so you talked about the negative and the positive, and That's you've had to very much learn how to keep finding something good That's out of right. something horrible, right? That's right. Yeah. Like I said, if you let your negative control you, you have no control to your negative. Yeah. So you got to think positive. Even though things might look bad, yeah. always think good about it. Yeah. Because something will happen. Yeah. The guy ended up committing suicide because he he thought I'm he so killed sorry. me. Yeah. He thought he lost his job. Yeah. He lost his job. He lost everything. And he ended up committing suicide after a year. Wow. Because he he couldn't deal with it. Yeah. Not that he could does that, does that uh, eat away at you? It does, but I try not to let it yeah. control me. Yeah. Like I said, I don't take a bad thing and, yeah. and let it control me. I control it. Yeah, yeah. there's no way that it was ever your fault. No, it wasn't his fault. And, and he couldn't even see you. That's right. Yeah. It wasn't him. It was nobody's fault, really. Yeah. It's just an accident that happened. Yeah, one of those dark twists. Yeah. Yeah. On on but I look at it this way, I I feel bad for him that he had to do what he did what yeah. he did to himself. But yeah. I look at it this way, I'm still here. Yeah. I'm still going. Yeah. No matter how bad it was, I'm still going. Even though I'm in a wheelchair, yeah. I try to get that positivity out. Yeah. Think positive, act positive, talk positive, you get positive yeah. results. Yeah. And that's how I deal with it. Yeah. No matter what happens. Negative, I don't let negative control me. I gotta control my negative. Yeah. And what's around me. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are angry at the world, yeah. but I look at it this way. What are you doing for the world? Right. You know? And there's another thing that I like to do is just to talk to people and just be with them for who they are. Yeah. You're a human being like I am. Yeah. Just because you're white and I'm, I'm a little bit darker than you doesn't mean I'm no different than you. We all breathe yeah. the same air. Right. We all eat the same food. 
we all live in a, in a nice place, you know. We all come from the same creator. That's it. Yeah. We come from God. So why should we destroy God? And why should we hate him for what he has given us? He has given us a beautiful garden and we've ruined it. God created this earth as a beautiful place, but we came along and he created us and we ruined our, our environment by getting greedy and getting everything else like that. I look at it this way, the Bible, if you can walk the talk in a Bible, you know, who else, how else can you go wrong? It, it, it because, all comes back to loving God and that's it. loving my neighbor, right? That's right. Yeah. When, I, when I think about some of the symbols that I see here, okay, um, I think about um, three things. Number one, you have an encampment. There's, there is a sense of community. Uh, we need to watch out for each other, right? And and so this gathering of tents and shopping carts says this is community. It is. Then the tent, I think about, you know, when the Apostle Paul talks about this body is is a tent. Yeah. It's a temporary residence uh, for God's spirit until we put on immortality. And then, but the, the, the symbol that, that kind of is just chewing on my head today is the shopping cart. Right. You know, the shopping cart is created as this thing to gather our abundance into. That's very true. And, uh, and yet, any city you go to, um, people are using shopping carts to store whatever they can yeah. just to survive yeah. and uh, it's, it's, it's a striking symbol isn't it it is yeah we are gathering information from one another I'm learning from you as much as you're learning from me yep. he's he's doing the same thing your partner is doing the same thing he's learning from me as much as I am learning from him yeah but if somebody taught me how to do what he did yeah Instead of saying, oh, you can't do that job. You don't know how to do that job. Well, how do you know if I don't know? If you don't give me the chance. That's right. That's right. So what we got to do is like take that negative and turn it around. Yeah. And say, okay, you say you can do the job, then show me. You shoot me and Kevin. Huh? Shoot a picture of me and Kevin. Oh. Okay. Oh, so all right. This is a zoom here. Okay. Okay. So that goes back and forth. Okay. And pan tilt. All right. Okay. So. All right. There you go. Now you're a cameraman. All right. There you go. Yeah. Cameraman. He can. Yes. <laughs> Very good picture of it. All right. Yeah. For a couple of old tutors, eh? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like for me to be a cameraman. And nobody's ever taught me how to become a cameraman. Yeah. How am I supposed to learn? Yeah. And how do we know that God hasn't given you a, a set of eyes to look and see things 
that go through the camera and, and you capture stuff, right? That's it. Yeah. And that's the whole I say. I just don't bother with you. It is like. Yeah. Okay, you were a cameraman for a few minutes there. Now I want you to be a director, okay? <laughs> oh, really? So what I want you to do is say, and cut, okay? All right. Okay, three, two, one. And cut. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Thank you for watching the show. Come back again next week for part two. <laughs> <laughs> Live in Peterborough. So, Bill, as as you and I are engaged in putting this episode together, we're sitting in the comfort of your basement studio, and uh, you know, we we I know when I go home tonight where I'm going to sleep. You know where you're going to sleep. Uh, we know that we trust that the heat is going to stay on mm -hmm. and uh, that we're going to wake up tomorrow morning without any threat. Right. You know, and uh, but uh, as we were sitting in that parking lot talking with Joe, uh, waiting for our permission to enter Tent City, mm -hmm. you know, it, it made me think about how, uh, you know, we sometimes just as it would be uncomfortable for someone just to walk into your house, mm -hmm. you know, or j that you don't know. Right. The same thing is true on the streets. If somebody's mm -hmm. living in a tent or in a, in a cardboard box or sleeping on a bench, mm -hmm. uh, you're entering their space and it's so important to know how yeah. to, how to enter and be appropriate. You we know? don't think of those things, do we? No, no, and, and you know, it's it's also just so easy for us to have a perspective on people that are homeless and right. and to only assume the worst. Right. I think uh, now Joe, in in that uh, segment, Joe has, has a place to live, mm -hmm. and uh, but he chooses to be out among the people that he knows best. Right. And to, to be a light, yeah. to let his light shine where he knows to let it shine. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so now uh, in the next uh, next part here, we're, we're going into Tent City mm -hmm. and uh, we're gonna, gonna meet Will. Uh, Will uh, and hear about his uh, bike recycling mm -hmm. and also his struggle. Yeah. And uh, Scott and Leanne are gonna talk to us a little bit about uh, just some of the harsh realities of um, being a person that uh, may not be able to be accommodated in a shelter, and right. uh, uh, I'm I'm still struck by uh, this time that we spent there. I'm struck by his intelligence. You know, he's Who, a, Will? Will, yeah, yeah, intelligent young man, analytical, yeah, and wouldn't be out of place in in a boardroom, yeah, of a company. Yeah. Um, very, uh, it was overwhelming for me to see that. Sometimes I think you have a, um, a picture in your mind that they're not with it. They're not, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to be whacked out of their mind or whatever. He was really to the point. And mm -hmm. even in his little um, operation that he has with the bicycles and that, he knows that he's got certain parts that he can sell. Um, to get money to well for drugs yeah 
Um, and he knows what value the bikes have on the street. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a couple of times I thought, man, you know, that guy could be in a boardroom. Yeah, we have to be able to see the potential in all people because God sure does. Absolutely. And uh, and and you know there there's a, there's a lot of uh, uh, stories of redemption mm -hmm. waiting to happen. Absolutely. And uh, you know uh, just uh, watching back uh, on the footage and thinking about what we're going to see here with Will just reminds me again. Pray for Will. That's her tent over there. Hey, but you mean the other person from the green tent? No, I'm yelling at Brooke from across the road to tell her that fucking skate's old weather to pick up what she has to get. Right. My money. The person from the green tent. Someone's wearing the sweater that we just gave her there. They're not! They're talking to Lori! They're going to be asking her questions! They want people to come and fucking tell people how it is because people don't fucking know. Right, they want to know the truth about why people are here. Because people are fucking assholes and fucking shelters and they restrict yeah. you. And once you get a restriction, you're fucked for 30 days to go anywhere. Yeah. And then you don't get food, you don't get water, you don't get nothing. Washrooms. Yeah. You don't even get a fucking tent or anything over you. You have to hope, nope. pray to God that you're fortunate enough to get something. That's right, man. That's then right. you have to worry about everybody fucking stealing your shit. Yeah. And the next or morning burn your you're watching down. Somebody, next morning you're watching somebody who is wearing your stuff. Yeah. But they didn't steal it. Yeah. Right. Over? Yeah, I was from Fort Perry. Fort yeah. 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 So, um, I, I have a podcast Bill and I work on, and uh, it's basically um, it's called Sidewalk Skyline podcast and it's about God at work in Canadian cities like on the street and uh, anyways um, just uh, God freaks me out sometimes even in the drug world yeah. he's, uh, he's still there just explain what you mean by that like like, oh, I don't know. Sometimes, do well, you just see people get their comeuppance, right? If they screw someone else over. Yeah. And I don't know. And some people are nice to you, yeah. even though you don't really feel like you deserve it. I don't know. Some people are assholes and they, uh, they just make you feel like you're different or yeah. like you don't deserve to be on the same street as them, you know? Yeah. But, and it, it makes you want to be violent. It really does. Yeah. When people say that kind of shit, because you already feel shitty about yourself, mm -hmm. and then they add to it. Like Friday and Saturday night is the worst when yeah. you're walking downtown and everyone's having fun. Yeah, and it sucks when they see you and you're high because you're just another tweaker, you know. So and it sucks to get lumped in with them, yeah. with the people who fucking steal and whatever else, because there's a lot of people that just they work their asses off to get high. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like there's yeah. a girl who collects cans. Um, you like, I move, I collect furniture sometimes mm -hmm. and sell it, whatever. And there's a lot of bins around town that you can get stuff in. Are these your, uh, your bikes? Yeah. yeah. Well, I just need a new tube for that tire and then I'll be able to either ride it or sell oh, yeah. it to someone. Yeah. Honestly, I just, most of the time I just sell the shit because it's going to get stolen anyway. Yeah. Like, really. And... Yeah. 
then you see the person with it and they just say, oh, I bought it off someone else, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, bullshit, right? Yeah. But this is what's cool about, like, what what Will and others do. Like, if you look over there, there's all kinds of cans. Like, they, yeah. they're collecting uh, stuff and then they'll take it down for cash to yeah. recycle, you know? So they're actually, like, see, here he is <laughs> recycling, really. Yeah. I mean, and so they're they're... You're giving the bike a second chance. Yeah, well, yeah, instead and, of it being and, thrown out. Yeah, and yeah. they're industrious. They're not just yeah. sitting around. I mean, on their hands. It's kind of yeah, a high, but we're not idiots. Yeah, That's well, good. like yeah. I mean, you're you're working for your reward. But it's I mean, not worth it. Be the same with as all mine, the walking <laughs> and shit you do. You do think to yourself, I should just get a fucking job because it's it would be so much easier and I'd be less tired. Yeah. yeah. But and then people like they'll look at you and say, Oh, why are you homeless? And stuff, but they don't realize how hard it is to keep your clothes clean and everything else. It's yeah. a full—that's a full-time job. So, how hard is it to find a, an apartment in Peterborough? Uh, well, I've gone to a few places, but it's hard for me to keep the appointments with the uh, drug use mm-hmm. and such. Yeah. And uh, well, they've helped me a little bit. Like they help you look, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, like, apartments uh, are pretty expensive. Yeah, they are. Like, well, so a couple of my friends that are in rooms right now, then they're paying $700. That's ridiculous for yeah, what they get. For, for and, a room. And Ontario Works gives you how much a month? $450 for yeah. rent. So you got to make up the difference. Yeah, or you got to use the other money they give you that you're supposed to spend on food and yeah. soap and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's not enough yeah, no. to make it work even when you are housed. That's, no, that's but crazy. what are they going to do, man? I understand. You can't just give out free money to everybody or nobody would work. Yeah. Like, somebody has to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. I got to go, guys. Hey, okay, thanks. Nice thanks. Thank you, Appreciate Will. it. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. So, that, just, to, just to help Will, like, the, this is um, not going to be, not widely, like, it's it's mainly, I told him it's mainly religious people. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, so how, how's Jay and Sarah? Uh, they're feeling really bummed, so they're, what they're saying is that everything has gotten wet, and then so they wanted to hang it out, but if they hang it out and the city comes, then it's more to pack up, and they just can't get it dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and so so I call it the dance, but once a week in, in Peterborough, we, if over my shoulder here is called the overflow. There are three shelters in town. The youth shelter, the women's shelter, the men's shelter. This is a fourth, and it's called the overflow, which obviously means the other ones are full all the time. Um, in the winter, that will be full, and this becomes the overflow of the overflow. Um, and and what they're seeking really is community. They got each other's backs in some ways. Um, in a lot of ways, they got each other's backs, and, and they're and they're and they watch out for each other. They watch each other's stuff. But. Um, once, here comes the city council in that little car, don't show the video. But, so once a week, usually Thursday mornings around 8.30, the city will send out workers and a dump truck and a front end loader, and they'll send police back up, and uh, the police stand around while the city guys with their gloves pick up stuff. And so if your tent is not moved, if Will's tent isn't moved from this location as soon as you see the city come along, It'll be picked up by a front-end loader and thrown, and everything he owns will be will land in the garbage. So he wants to go get his bikes, you know, fixed today, and he's got a plan to get the one bike working and trade the other one in for parts and get a tube. 
and he's quite industrious, but he can't leave here because if, while he's gone for that hour, the city comes along, everything he owns, his home, will be thrown in a dumpster. And then he's got to start all over again. So then he's out sleeping under the stars in the end of November, yeah. or the end of September. And <clears throat> like, it's just, you, you don't, most people don't understand the frustration. The other thing that I used to not understand is we, so we have, um, there's a breakfast program that's happening two blocks from here at Salvation Army. Right. Um, five blocks away within a 10 minute walk lunch is served between one and two, a really good hot lunch at one roof. However, for Will to make that trip, he's got to leave his, his everything he owns. Yeah. So he's going to skip a hot meal so that he can have a place to sleep again tonight. Like, you, you make these decisions, and and that's why when Leanne and I come around, and we got Starbucks sandwiches and water, it's not much, but at least it's something to keep them going. And we have that connection with them. We're, we're meeting a, a practical need, but we wish we could do more. Um, but, I mean, you, you, you have no idea the frustration that they have just to survive. And they're illegal here. Having a tent in Peterborough is illegal. And and let me be clear, the city does not want to be here cleaning up. Those guys hate their job when they have to come. They don't want to evict anybody. And, they, and the cops don't want to be here. But they have to do it because the law has got to be enforced and it gets enforced every week and and sometimes they'll mix it up a couple of weeks ago they came three mornings in a row just to make it uncomfortable like and just to send the message you don't you don't belong here but where do they belong (laughs) they don't belong anywhere and the message like like you heard from him is you're not That's not the intention either of city workers of, or of city hall or of police, but unfortunately that's the message that comes across. Mm-hmm. And it's just, a, it's just a frustration for everybody all the way around. So it, it's, uh, we've got to get housing, um, just practical, and so that's where we're working on finding homes. Yeah, we're going to take a look at uh, the tiny homes a little later and uh, I think that's a great strategy to get a step closer to the way things should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bill, I had no idea how hard it is to be a survivalist on the streets. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think about people having a backpack and a tent and you know, I think, well, how hard can it be? You, you, yeah. you go find some place where you can set up a tent. Uh, but it's not easy. There's a lot of forces working against you. Yeah. And uh, just the struggle just to stay warm and dry every day. And, and safe. And because safe. there's a predatory element of it as well. You know, mm-hmm. where there are, there is a sense of community, but there are um, predators in the ranks who... Yeah. Uh, are desperate to to get things to sell so they can, you know, feed the hunger in their veins, and so, you know, they they not only have to look for food but they have to look for comfort and safety. Yeah. As well, and and it's something I I've never really thought about. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so part of helping people um, 
at, at that end of the spectrum, you know, who are truly homeless, uh, is getting them stabilized by having shelter, uh, a shelter of their own, a space to call their own. Right. You know, even if it's renting a room and you got a secure lock on the door, yeah. um, you can start to regroup. You can start to think about something other than just moment-to-moment um, -moment survival. Right. And uh, the, the Housing First strategy uh, employed by a lot of cities in Canada mm -hmm. uh, hinges on this idea that if you can get people to, um, to have a, a warm, dry place to call their own and have the right people in, uh, providing uh, support and, mm -hmm. and social work and, and in the case of street-level advocacy, uh, mm -hmm having spiritual care, spiritual and religious care. That's so important. Um, this, is, this is part of the path uh, off of the street into uh, something more stable. Right. And, and so, you know, I felt the desperation talking to the team because winter's coming. Mm. And, well, as we're listening to the episode now, uh, winter's here. And uh, every year... Uh, somebody is found frozen to death in every city, yeah. and and many times more than one, mm -hmm. and um, that that's that's heart wrenching. So in Peterborough, they're they're working on some steps to start the journey off the street into uh, more enduring shelter, mm -hmm. and uh, so this is where we met Chris. Yeah. And uh, got to see the sleeping cabins. Yeah. And uh, uh, Calvary Church in Peterborough, they um, had a, a space on their property where they had kind of the model home, right? Mm, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you think about uh, new housing developments and they always got the model home. Well, they have a, a model home for a sleeping cabin. So let's, let's go and uh, explore the sleeping cabin and talk to Chris. Chris, I'm Kevin, and nice to meet nice you. To meet you. And, and, and uh, so you're working uh, with Scott in street level advocacy. Uh, how'd that come about? Well, I met Scott, I would say, back in January. And Scott had basically come into my life when my mother was um, passing. She was in palliative care and up in Peterborough. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to another friend, Jurgen, mm -hmm. who was pastoring and helping at the Salvation Army. Okay. So then when I reached out to him, letting him know about my mother, he reached out to Scott, who in turn reached out to me, met me, came met my mom, talked to my mom before she passed. And then we just developed a relationship to where I would say a year afterwards, mm -hmm. after my year, my mom passed, he finally got in touch with me saying, yeah. hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. He goes, let's go for a coffee. And then yeah. he, he laid all this out on the table about, yeah being uh, an urban missionary, wanted to be yep. out on the streets. He was a pastor for 30 years. He did a really wonderful job there, but he yep. felt his calling was more. Yeah. And he wanted to have people that had um, lived experience and had some availability mm -hmm. to being on the street. Mm -hmm. And that was me, unfortunately. I was mm -hmm. on the street for a number of years, yep. um, under bridges, under benches, yep. having to really struggle and fight just for a little something. And then eventually reaching out to the right people Having a little bit of um, self-confidence yeah. and some self-esteem, building myself up bit by bit, yeah. I was able to reach out to the right people, get the right connections, yep. and then next thing you know, 
I'm off the street in a room from the room to a house. Wow. I have my own furniture refinishing business now. Wow. I get to see my kids every weekend. We have a beautiful relationship. Oh. Everything's really falling together for me That's after um, after everything kind of I thought was hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. So I just really stuck to it. I had Scott help me out. I had the street level obviously to um, yep. back me up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just been going out every day, handing out sandwiches, waters, whatever those individuals need that I know yeah. are hard to get or come by. So how do you how do you feel about your life now? It's wonderful. Yeah. It's absolutely wonderful. And praise be to God if it really wasn't yeah. for the glory of God helping me yeah. open my eyes and see really yeah. where my despair was. Yeah. It, it it's like day and night. The, there's a difference between do-gooders and peacemakers. Oh, 100%. You know, and <clears throat> do-gooders want to just drop in maybe hand out some water bottles and say i just want to smile for the for the for the camera smile for the camera right look at me right yeah i want to be behind the scenes i want to be more of the person who's peacemaker gets into the problem you keep saying peacemaker but in my mind i feel like i'm a soldier of god yeah right i'm 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 here to do battle against the devil who i know is always constantly yeah in these individuals heads and constantly trying to push them down as i'm trying to bring them up yeah yeah, it's it's a it, there's a, a spiritual warfare. And oh yes, it's unbelievable. And um, with Scott coming in to my life at the time he did, it was it was almost divine intervention. Yeah, it, it was. I, I would totally feel that if it wasn't for really me reaching out to Scott at that particular time. Yeah, and him un, un, unveiling this, you know, this wonderful street level mission, the street level obviously. Yeah, he he was the peacemaker. Hundred percent. Yes. So we're standing in this um, uh, tiny cabin. Tiny cabin. It's uh, you know a lot of people talk about tiny houses, but mm -hmm. this is basically a sleeping cabin. Sleeping right? cabin. This would be like a phase one. So phase one would be having at least nine of these established in Peterborough, so that mm -hmm. way the people are in on the streets and in tents in yeah. the coldest of, of winter. This will be, you know, the the, the next option. This will be yeah. something for them. And then phase two would actually be a tiny cabin, like a tiny home, yeah. where there's a washroom and a kitchen, mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. a little bit more stable. It's a little bit more of those security. Ten times the cost to put. Unfortunately, it is a little bit yeah. more um, money, but it's yeah. more long term though, and something that somebody could work towards. And um, mm -hmm. um, so, so a group of uh, these, a group of these tiny, uh, well, let's call them sleeping cabins, yes. could be set up somewhere uh, with a, a, maybe another building that has uh, washrooms and showers, uh, or any kind of cooking uh, facility or something. Correct. Right. But then uh, this this gives person uh, just real basic comfortable shelter. Absolutely, it, it's yeah. a little bit of their security blanket which they don't really have, and it's uh, it's something that they can look forward to. Yeah, knowing that they don't have to go to the streets or go to the tents, they're not going to be like every other day kicked chased out, away. chased yeah. away, and whatnot. So yeah. this is really a good transitional period or, or um, section for them to go yeah. from one spot to another. I I, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well. I uh, you're a good soldier of Thank Jesus you. Christ. Thank so you. keep Appreciate it up. And uh, that team uh, that's growing there is becoming just really diverse and powerful. Like there's Absolutely. some really great workers coming together there. Yeah. She impressed me with her her zeal. Yeah. You know, she she was just never say never. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, her background was rough around the edges and, you know, she's serving the Lord now and she's just, uh, she's just sweet. She is you sweet. Know, it's, just, it's the only thing I can describe her. Uh, the only word that I can come up with is just sweet. Yeah. One of the things that I hope that um, happens as we explore God at work in Canadian cities is that there will be people who hear an episode of Sidewalk Skyline podcast and they'll say, you know what, is God speaking to me in some way to either uh, begin to uh, go to where he is on the streets of our city uh, or to get behind people that are doing this kind of work. And uh, so in the show notes, uh, we're going to have links so that you can find people like Scott Cooper and and actually go online and, and donate and support so God's speaking to a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? And it's easy to ignore, but if he really wants you, then he'll get you. He'll right? make a way. And who was it that said two-thirds of God's name is gold? <laughs> yeah, right? that's great. So it's time for maybe some of us to go. Yeah. You know, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That means hitting the streets right now and there's such an overwhelming need right now for people to get there and if you even if you don't know what you're doing go down and learn how to interact with those on the streets i'm i'm so glad that we did go to peterborough yes and uh i want i want us uh, to now listen to what that calling looks like Uh, And uh, Leanne does a great job of of really identifying um, why why she's there. So uh, tell us about it, Leanne. At what point in life did you suddenly decide, this is what I wanted to do? (laughs) It's very roundabout. How do you go from being a good little Bible college student to being out on the streets of Peterborough? I actually didn't understand why I was in Bible college until I met Scott. Then I'm like, oh, I get you, God. I really had no idea why he was calling me to this kind of life and job and things because I didn't visualize myself inside a church. Right. So the long around story is um, I grew up in the streets of Peterborough. Yep. Uh, I lived a rough life, mm-hmm. and um, and then when I got sober and got my life together and all that stuff in my mid-20s, mm-hmm. I did a stint of being homeless, so I know what that's like to have no home, yeah. right? Um, and I got, got it together in my mid-20s, and I went back to school in my early 30s in social work. So I thought, okay, that's what I need to do. I need to, I'm better, mm-hmm. I got my life together, yeah. now I'm going to help others get their life together. And um, that just didn't work out. So I ended up taking a job with the school board and working with kids and that was mm-hmm. wonderful and I was there for quite some time. And then in my mid-30s, I finally answered the door. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I think he was all, I mean I shouldn't say I think, I know he was always chasing me. Yeah. Um, but I just wasn't listening. And yeah. so then I became a Christian very, and this moved very quickly. So I started going to church, then I was baptized within the first year, yeah. and then by the time three years I was enlisted in Bible college, you know, so I yeah. actually was only baptized five years ago. Wow. Yeah. But so. that, that's really cool because, uh, you know, all of the things that happened in your life before were not wasted. No. They became uh, 
teaching tool in your life, right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, and then through college, then um, my husband and I used to kind of do the drive around and on cold days and hot chocolates, yeah. and so working with people who are in the gaps yeah. has always been my heart. Yeah. I just didn't know how to go there. Yeah. And then Scott showed up at school. Yep. And you know, and spoke and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's where I'm supposed yep. to be. I actually withdrew from an internship that I had already had in motion mm -hmm. because I just had that moment where you feel that right in the pit of your belly, where I'm like, oh wait, that was the wrong way to go, and I need to be now going this way. So did you do your internship, with I, Scott? So I did it through yeah. my home church at yeah. Norwood, right? And they were able to make this with partnership with Masters, this really unique internship where I was part-time at my church and part-time with Scott yeah so it was very cool oh, that is and cool. Uh, as the internship ended I like worked up all the courage that I had to say I think I'm what do you think and now we're here right where we're yeah. going so well that's the thing is you know um, guys like Scott that are committed to this kind of work me I'm, I mean you could, you could lead an army of people involved in this kind of ministry, right? I, there is there are people asking on the Facebook page all the time, how do we get involved? And yeah. And you want to get people involved, but it's also really sensitive. You've built relationships right. that yeah. could be yeah. easily this isn't, broken. This isn't, yeah. this isn't yeah. an opportunity for do-gooders who just want to feel good because yeah. of help and misses. You want to be a peacemaker. Yeah. One, of, one of my best conversations about three weeks ago with a group of our, our guys, right, that, you know, have been in this life for a long time. Yeah. And and the way that we conversed for them to say, I already know you know how we feel, right? Yeah. Because of my life experience, because of where I came from, yeah. um, I'm able to connect in a way that um, they get, yeah. which I think is helpful. Not everybody has to come from my yeah. life, but I find for me that's what is helpful. Well, you don't you don't have a lot of illusions about. No, I know exactly what we're doing know, around you here. Know, <laughs> you know the way things yeah. things are because you've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and it's uh, it's a different kind of relationship you build yeah. when you get it. You know, broken, and you also know healing. I do. Yeah. I always say that I went through all of the therapy and the mental health. I came from you know like trauma, right? Obviously, and I said that you know the the counseling fixed my mind. But I yeah. wasn't whole and my heart wasn't fixed until I found Jesus, right? Yeah. Jesus fixed my insides. Yeah. And uh, then I became a whole person. So, yeah. Did, uh, I wandered away for a few minutes. Did you tell them about your uh, training, your formal training? With yeah. The social mm -hmm. work and, yeah. So that's kind of cool for us, bro. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, when you think about, about now I have, like, you know, one of the concerns that social services would have about me is that I'm a middle-aged white guy. And, around in my truck and no yeah. accountability so now without even realizing it the Lord brings me a woman mm -hmm. and a social like trained as a social worker. Oh, so yeah. the credibility goes up well we weren't done with Peterborough we have a couple more episodes coming uh, based on conversations that we had in Peterborough mm -hmm. and uh, our next episode, we're going to be talking to uh, David Ibalobi. And uh, David, forgive me if I pronounced your name wrong. It's a beautiful Nigerian name. And uh, David uh, had, and his uh, family have moved to Peterborough. Uh, he's uh, uh, enrolled in Canada Christian College. 
and and God put in his heart a dream to move to Peterborough to start a church among the homeless. Now that hasn't uh, really formed yet, but but it's interesting that God calls them to a place where the need is great. And and mm -hmm. David, uh, it, I'll just give you a little little uh, teaser for for the next episode. Uh, when uh, he was born in Nigeria, uh, he and his family uh, were Muslim. His father, in fact, was a imam, a teacher of the Quran, and <clears throat> there was another uh, imam that was known in the community as a, a seer. And uh, when parents would have children, they would bring their newborn child or their young child to the seer. The seer would pray and then, uh, in essence, uh, prophesy over the child uh, something about their nature or what would become of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, uh, I mean, it, 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 as Christians, it's um, hard for us to to imagine uh, how God would uh, speak through uh, through another religion, and and uh, but in this case He did because Bill, do you remember what the seer told uh, David's dad and mom about this boy? I do, but you're going to tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, you tell them. <laughs> what was going to the seer prays, and then he he looks at David and he says he was either going to be an evangelist. A Christian, Christian, he was going to be a Christian pastor or a witch doctor. A witch doctor, that's what it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine this uh, Muslim imam having the seer say that to him? And the, and the seer was laughing when he told him. So that's quite a story and the beginning of quite a journey in David's life. So join us again uh, until next time. Uh, I'm Kevin Rogers and Bill Riley. And this is Sidewalk Skyline Podcast.